Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Thank you for being here. Always a pleasure to be with our listeners here at the clinic, where we're going to talk about our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health. You know, lately I've been doing a few shows on marriage and on the marriage covenant and what that means and relationships really more than anything else, um, but focused on marriage because marriage is a sacrament. And I have been getting an overwhelmingly positive response from our listeners. I apologize to anybody I haven't been able to reach out to uh, in particular because uh, I have been getting a lot of responses of people with questions uh, in terms of how do I make my marriage better? What's going on? There's a lack of intimacy in my marriage. Um, and if you think that I'm talking about any one in particular, they're all, you know, very similar. We're not alone out there. And so today's show, I wanted to focus on a few things. I wanted to focus on um, not just issues in terms of the marriage isn't working or this is what's going on wrong with my marriage because we've talked about it from a very therapeutic sense. I've talked about it from a very, very much a clinical sense um, of just human interaction. But in today's show, I want to talk about something a little bit more profound um, because if we ever feel like we don't have options, um, I, I want to remind us that we do. And one of the things that we want to look at is since marriage is a sacrament, since it is lifted to the level of a sacrament by Christ himself, um, it's going to be attacked. And we know this from Fatima. We know this from the message of Fatima, uh, that the final battle was going to be against marriage. Marriage as a sacrament is going to be attacked. Couples are going to be attacked in a very special way, in different ways from uh, individuals, because the marriage, the nature of the marriage sacrament itself is that the couple confers the marriage on each other, you know, and that's why individually they're going to be attacked. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and what that means. But in today's show, what I really want to look at is if we're being attacked, let's make sure that we know what's happening. How does the devil attack the marriage? How does he want to attack the family? And how can we combat that? Because there is a lot of hope. We have a lot of power, but our power comes through Christ. Let's start our show today like we normally do with the Angelus here at the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, 
by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks. Well, <clears throat> anybody who's been listening to our shows lately, as you know, we are going to be having a conference on marriage uh, coming up here at Virgin Most Powerful uh, Radio here at our studios in West Covina at the Historic Sacred Heart Chapel. That is going to be on May 7th, Saturday, May 7th. Uh, you can go to our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and you can register there. It's going to be $35 for one person, $50 per couple. And we're going to give some great talks. We're going to be here so that we can learn more about marriage, not just what society tells us about what marriage is, not just what we think marriage should be, but what we really, what Christ is calling us to do in terms of being a married couple, in terms of uh, living a Catholic married life, so that if we ever feel like our marriage is not enough, or our spouse is not enough, or I'm not enough in my marriage, we're going to have a very different perspective, I think, coming out of that conference. I think any couple I recommend coming, if you feel like you want to strengthen your marriage, or if you feel like your marriage is already strong, that's an even better reason to come because there's always tools to to help us to learn more and to grow even deeper uh, in the mystery of that sacrament. Um, it's very, very important to always be in communication because that's one of the things that we're going to see really breaks down uh, for couples in marriages. But let's talk about uh, what marriage is. Let's look at what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says. I'm looking at Article 7. It's called the Sacrament of Matrimony. It's always good to read this because sometimes we think, oh, I know what marriage is. You know, I've been to a few weddings. Um, and sometimes it stops there. You know, we get so hyped up. We prepare so long for weddings. We, You know, people will put their weddings out two years down the road. Not because they want to work on, let's make sure that we're a good couple for each other. Let's make sure that we're mature enough and that we're talking about the right things, that we both know that we want to have children, that we know that we want to raise our children in the Catholic faith, uh, that we want to strengthen our spirituality. I've never heard anybody say, oh yeah, we're going to get married in two years so that we can mature together uh, and be ready for the sacrament. Usually people say, oh, I'm going to get married in two years because I want a destination wedding. I want to make sure that I save up a bunch of money um, and we're all going to get married on the beach uh, on some exotic island somewhere. And I want to fly out my family and I want people to go there and it's going to be this great party. Uh, I want to make sure that I get the, the right dress and they're making it for me. And the dress is going to be worth more than even a new car sometimes. Um, you know, I'm going to get the right caterers. I'm going to get the right venue. And that way I want to have a perfect, a perfect, perfect wedding. But I don't hear couples saying, I want to have a perfect marriage. I want to strive towards perfection in my marriage. I want to strive towards perfection in my spiritual maturity so that I can be ready for those tough times. You know, when we get married so that I can be ready and be mature enough to realize that if my spouse is not doing well, that means that I shouldn't be putting them down. I should be lifting myself up to see how can I help them out? How can I be there for them? Uh, what is it that they need? Uh, so I can learn that marriage is not necessarily about me. Let's look at what the catechism says. So again, this is the first paragraph. It's paragraph 1601, the sacrament of matrimony. And it says the matrimonial covenant. Now, right there, it already starts with the word covenant, which a covenant is an oath, a promise. Um, it's part of the sacrament. It's, it's something that we say to each other, but that we're bound by. You got to remember a covenant is what God uh, formed with Moses, with Abraham, with Noah. You know, it was always a covenant. It was something that said where God said, 
You know, I'm making you a promise and God's always going to keep that promise. We're not always good at that. We say, of course, God, you know, whenever we find ourselves in dire straits, oh God, I promise you that from now on, my life will be the, the straight and narrow. If you get me out of this problem or if you stop doing this, I know I've done that in my life, I'm sure, you know, and then all of a sudden God gets us out of it and we're good for a little while, but then we forget, right? We, we forget that we made that promise or it doesn't feel quite as good or we think, no, I'm supposed to do something different a new problem comes about and oh boy, we want a new covenant with God. The difference is that God's going to keep this covenant with us all the time. The matrimonial covenant means that we're making that promise to each other. And that means that I got to keep that promise of I'm going to be here for you because I expect that you're going to be here for me because that's what you promised. Um, but all I can do is control what I do. So I'm going to be here for you through the ups and the downs. And that's the matrimonial covenant. So let's keep reading the matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish themselves a partnership of the whole life. Right there, that's where you, that's, where, that's the crux of it. The covenant is a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole life. Notice that the word partnership is used. It's not a, it's not a slavery uh, type, you know, I'm bound to you by, by means of slavery. It's, it's not that kind of a covenant. It's a free will covenant. So, um, it's interesting to, to look at it that way. A lot of times people feel like they're married and they're trapped. Well, this is where I say, I think maybe it's time that we do spend a couple of years of marriage preparation um, before anything else. Because if you think that you're going to go into something and it's going to be always easy and peachy keen, um, then yeah, if, some, if you have rough times, you're going to feel like you're trapped. You're going to wonder, what did I do? Oh my goodness. Now, I, I don't like this person anymore. The reality is you probably never liked the person to begin with. You know, you just didn't spend enough time to know it or to get to know the person from a life perspective of, boy, I'm going to have to put up with this the rest of my life. Um, but let's keep reading here. So let's start over in the matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish themselves. A partnership of the whole life is by its nature ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. So this is where we really need to start to think about marriage. When we start to ask about marriage counseling or gosh, I need to get counseling for uh, myself so I can, so I, to help my marriage or I need to start, uh, we need to go to couples counseling. We see this all the time. I think there's very good, I, what I see all the time is more than anything else, when people got married, they didn't know what to expect. Uh, we, you know, we go into marriage almost with like a fantasy type feeling at times. I'm not saying everybody has this, but at times we go into it with a family, a fantasy type feeling of I'm in love and love is going to last forever. The way I currently experience it, that's the key. You know, I'm I, the way I experience this love, which is all rosy and, and peachy keen. That's what's going to last. That's, that's our marriage. So I'm so happy to be married to this person. But as tough times come up, am I ready for that? Am I ready to say, gosh, I'm still in love with this person. It doesn't feel like it did before. That feeling is gone, but I still love this person. Can I rationalize that? Well, according to the sacrament, that's exactly where we have to be because if this is a partnership, and like I said, I mentioned, it's not a slavery, it's a partnership. That's important to, to remember. Why is that important to remember? Because in a sacrament, God, first of all, tells us that he gives us free will. He wants us to love him freely. He doesn't want it to be a slave type relationship. Same thing for a husband and wife. The first question is, did you come here freely of your own free will? Because this is not a bound relationship. This is something you each wanted 
for each other. That's going to be important to remember, uh, and we're going to discuss that a little bit more when we come back from the break. All right. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Always a pleasure to be here. For those of you just tuning in to our show here after the break, uh, today we're talking about marriage and the family from a very sacramental point of view. And why do we need to see it from a sacramental point of view? Because then we can understand um, not only the sanctity of marriage, not only the idea of marriage being a covenant, but why marriage is under attack. That's really the, the bottom line here. Um, you know, if we're going to look at some of the prophecies and some of the things that were said in Fatima and what the devil wants to do and what the final battle is, why would the final battle be against the family? Because that was the first battle. So let's go back a little bit. We're discussing what the catechism says that the, that the sacrament of marriage is. And one of the important things that we need to focus on is that it is a covenant and it is a partnership. Why is that important? Because... <clears throat> Marriage is such that we need to cooperate with each other. It's one of these things that in modern day society, if the perspective is, which is very common, I see this all the time, if the perspective is that marriage is a checkoff box in my life, because boy, I want to get married before I'm 30 and I want to make sure I have children before I'm this old, or I want to make sure I have this many children in my life. You know, a lot of times people will focus on that um, and will focus on what we want and we almost make it as if it were a degree or a job, you know, where all of a sudden I want to make sure that I finish college in four years and I'm going to major in this particular subject. And then once I do that, I'm going to have this particular job and I'm going to be um, successful at whatever it is I do at this job. And I want to be the CEO of a company or I want to run my own business. I want to make sure I own this type of car. You know, sometimes we lump marriage, which is a sacrament into the same kind of list where it says, not only do I want to have this fancy house and a fancy car and live in this neighborhood, but I want to make sure I'm married, check that off. And I want to make sure I have so many kids, check that off. Well, what's the problem with that? You know, people would say, well, shouldn't that be that? Isn't that okay? Isn't that the goal? Um, you know, we got to set our goals. And if marriage is a goal, shouldn't we think about it that way? Not exactly. Not at all. Actually, if marriage is, marriage is not a goal, marriage is a calling. So that's the first thing that we have to remember that if I feel called to be married, if I feel that that's my vocation, it's because it's coming from God and as Catholics, what that means is God wants me to be married. Then I better rise up to that. And I better realize God trusts me enough that he thinks that I can actually have a family and orient that towards him as a Catholic. You know, that's a bit, that's a big difference than saying, Oh, I need to get a degree or I need to um, get something material in my life or, or check something off in that respect. But if I'm praying and I feel like God is calling me, calling me to be married, I feel like that's my vocation. I think we forget about that in society nowadays because nowadays it seems like marriage is just a big party. And while it is a celebration, it is a festive celebration, it doesn't come without its ups and downs. What we do have to remember in the key and what we were discussing before the break is the free will component. Because what I notice a lot with couples is that they feel after a few years that they're in their marriage and that they're trapped. And that all of a sudden they say, this is not the person I married and this is not what I expected out of this marriage and they're not keeping up their end of the bargain. Um, but the reality is 
we both went into this freely if we got married. And that's the first question we're going to be asked. Why is that important? Because in the same way, God gives us free will to be in a union with him. Um, and we're never trapped in a relationship with God. We need to choose it. Not that it doesn't come without its ups and downs. And God's going to let us remind us of that. But the reality is, it comes with its ups and downs because that's the way life is. You know, we have to strive towards that perfection. We have to strive towards uh, an imperfect world after the fall of Adam and Eve and realize that we are here for each other at this point. I'm going to have my ups and downs and my spouse is going to have their ups and downs. Okay. Well, once we've established that, once we know that marriage is a covenant, why would, why would it be attacked? Why all of a sudden would the devil want to come in and attack the family? Well, I think we've already kind of answered that question. If it is a sacrament and the sacrament is between the spouses, then the way the spouses get along, the way that the family runs is a direct representation of Christ. The same way that the Eucharist, we say, well, that is the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. And when we go to confession, we say, no, Christ himself uh, gave the priest the power to forgive my sins. So this is really happening. The marriage sacrament is unique in that Christ is there, but Christ is there in our interaction with each other. Christ is there in our everyday lives. Christ is there in how we formulate our marriage. And if the devil wants to break down Christ, not only do we see hear stories and we're shocked about the desecration of the Eucharist uh, and things of that nature, we know that that's, that's just vile, it's such a sacrilege. It's, we're hurt by it as Catholics. We should feel the same way about divorce. Now, I've never advocated uh, anybody staying in an abusive marriage, obviously. If there's problems with drugs, with alcohol, with violence, or anything along those lines, we never want to have anything of, uh, you know, or, or lack of fidelity to the marriage uh, sacrament. We never want to have somebody stay in that relationship if it is not a true marriage. And that's where the church in her, in her mercy lets us know that there is the a process of annulment, which is a very sad case, which tells us that the marriage was not even valid to begin with. It's kind of like saying, you know, your baptism is not valid because the priest didn't say the right words. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not baptized. Well, no, technically you're not. So if the marriage wasn't ever there, it was technically not a valid marriage, then yeah, you can annul it. But in the same way, if the Eucharist is, is uh, if there's any sacrilege against the Eucharist, if there's any violence against the Eucharist, somebody desecrates the Eucharist, we can kind of think of divorce in the same way at, at a certain point. Because if the couples all of a sudden decide, you know what, yeah, we got married in the church, but we're not going to keep this promise. We're not going to uh, stay married. We're just going to get a divorce because we're not going to work at this any longer for depending on the reasons. But if there is no valid uh, reason to annul the sacrament, we're in a very sad state. We're in a state where all of a sudden there is a desecration of the sacrament. What happened there? And this is why divorce was such a big deal because this covenant came in freely, you know, this couple went into that, into the sacrament freely, um, to say, we're going to be a model of, of Christ. We're going to, we're going to, we feel called to be married to each other. I think that's the first attack, uh, that the devil's going to do on, on the family first to remove the idea that marriage is a calling, that it is a vocation and that there is a commitment that we make to it. I think the first attack from the, from the devil is that you know, it's just something to do. Um, it's just something to have fun. It's going to be a big party. Get married. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to be able to have physical intimacy. Isn't that what you want? Nobody can tell you no. Um, and then if it doesn't work out, yeah, you know, th you can get married again. It's okay. The church says you can get married again. Well, the church does say you can get married again if you either have annulled your marriage or if you happen to be widowed, uh, sadly. Uh, then yes, you can always, you're free to be married. The only thing that dissolves the marriage is death. And we know that, right? We say you're married unto death. There's no question about it. 
But let's look at something here. Let's look at what happened at Fatima. What was the, what was it that uh, uh, Sister Lucia told us? This is what she wrote down. The final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage and the family. Don't be afraid, she added, because anyone who operates for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be contended and opposed in every way, because this is the decisive issue. And then she concluded by saying, however, our lady has already crushed its head. It's important to note this, and um, I like this quote from, from Sister Lucia because it really lets me know how important marriage is. Why is that the final battle? Because if I can get rid of marriage, if I can get rid of the family, then I can destroy the church. That's where the church starts, with the domestic church. We're going to look at what the Catholic Catechism of the Catholic Church says, that, says about that in a little while. But what's important to remember here is that why would the devil be so interested in the family? Why would he be so interested in destroying the family? It's very simple. Um, you destroy that, you destroy any image of Christ uh, on, on the planet. It's the very first sacrament that God made. He made Adam and Eve, and that was the first union. He, he modeled this as a family so that we could be modeled like the Trinity. This is really what we got to remember in our lives uh, when we're thinking about gosh, my marriage isn't doing well. I really don't like my spouse right now. I don't feel like I'm being listened to. Well, wait a minute. What am I a part of? What is it that we're doing? And I think that this is the kind of conversation we need to have. When we sit down together as a couple of things aren't working well, one of us has to stop and say, okay, we need to talk. What is it that we're doing? Because who are we? We're much more than whatever argument we're having right now. We're much more than whatever society's telling us. We need to stop and talk. And if one couple, if one party is not ready to do that or not willing to do that, what I would recommend is whoever starts to feel that calling from Christ again, because we're called every day to be married, not just to have the wedding. Remember, the marriage is lifelong. So it's a daily calling. So every day when I wake up, if all of a sudden I get a nudge from Christ or my uh, guardian angel from a saint who's telling me, you know what, you need to work on your marriage, but your spouse isn't ready to talk, what do I do then? The first thing I would do is I would go present myself before the tabernacle. Go present myself at a holy hour. Stop and pray a rosary. Stop and present myself before God. Put my heart in God's hands and say, God, how can I help my marriage? What is it that I need to do? I'm here to pray. I'm here to do your will. Because we got to remember, if we got married, knowing that it was our calling, then it was God's will. God, if you wanted me to marry this person, what am I supposed to do now? Please show me your will so that I can help our, our sacrament here so that we can, so that we can be a living example of you. Um, so that's the first thing I would do. I would start praying myself and then I would go and invite my spouse to pray with me and I would find some different verses in the Bible. And we're going to read some of those on marriage and different prayers and say, let's pray this together really quickly. You might not want to talk to me, but let's pray. Okay. Very well. Let's say they still don't want to talk. Okay. Well, I'm going to sit in the room and I'm just going to pray this out loud really quickly and then I'll leave the room. And that's fine. We got to remember that God is working in that. It might feel silly. It might sound silly, but, um, God is working in our marriage every day. He's calling us to be married every day. All right. So let's look at the attacks on, on the marriage. So the first one I said is, I think the devil wants to reduce the idea of marriage in terms of that it's not even a calling, that it's not a truly a sacrament, and that it's not, and then it's just something we can go into. Okay. Let's say that we're, we say, no, Dr. Sandoval, you know, I was pretty Catholic. I knew that I was, uh, it was a sacrament. I knew that I was going into that. I wanted to get married in the church because I wanted to do it right. And, and we did have a beautiful wedding. We're not going to, you know, we, we did spend some money on it, which is great. Uh, marriage should be a, a great celebration. Um, 
And okay, so we got married, but now I'm having problems with my marriage because, you know, we're just not talking and, and we're not uh, um, seeing things eye to eye. It's not the same person I married. Okay, so that's where I think the next attack comes in. The next attack comes in, yeah, you do feel called to be married. You're married together, but now it's going to be those little things. And, you know, you people say this, oh, those little things that were so cute become annoying. It's going to be different. The devil now is going to make you see things differently because there's going to be confusion and division. So let's not forget that. You know, the first one is to lie about the covenant part. That's the first attack to say marriage is not that it's not a covenant before God. It's just, you know, you made a choice and you can reverse that choice anytime you want. So that's the first lie. The second lie comes in where we start to interpret things differently, where we start to stop seeing our spouse or we stop seeing what's best for our spouse and we want what's best for myself. So then what happens in that case? There's going to be confusion and division. Why? Because my spouse might say something very nice to me and they might come up to me and say, gosh, you're doing really good work, uh, you know, around the house or something. And I might interpret it incorrectly because I might say, are you making fun of me? Are you saying that, 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 that doesn't look good? They're saying, no, no, I'm saying, you know, you, you were able to get that done on Saturday. Or are you saying I don't do enough work around the house? No, I'm saying that I'm glad you finally had time to do that. Or are you saying I don't put time into that? So this is where the confusion comes in because we start to interpret things differently than the way the spouse might be saying it. And all of a sudden there's a big argument because we're not willing to talk about it or we're not willing to slow down our hearts a little bit and see what is it that my spouse is really telling me. We're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come from the break. The communication is always key and we see this all the time in our therapy sessions. More on the other side of the break. All right. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we're talking about marriage and the family. I want to remind everybody that we are going to have a conference here at the Sacred Heart Chapel on marriage. Um, it's going to be on Saturday, May 7th, uh, and you can register on our website. You can go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, uh, and you can register there. It's $35 per person, $50 per couple, um, and really, it's a great day to come and talk and listen to some wonderful talks. We're going to be, we're going to give it to you straight. We're going to tell you what the, the covenant of marriage is, what it means for us as Catholics, um, the do's and don'ts of marriage, and we can discuss any topic that anybody would like. We already have a few set up. Um, it's going to be talks by Terry Barber, uh, Mary Danielle Barber, his wife, and myself. Um, if you have any ideas, any t- any ideas on topics or anything you want to hear discussed, feel free to email me at doctor, that's vmpr at gmail.com. Again, that's doctor.dr.sandoval, vmpr at gmail.com. You can always email me there uh, and just give me your thoughts on, hey, I'd like to hear about this topic or that topic. Nothing is off the table. I think as Catholics, we need to be able to have straightforward, honest conversation about the things that are important to us, about the truth, really about the truth is taught by Christ that you're not going to hear necessarily out in society. Um, and that's really, really, um, what's wonderful about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're always going to get the unadulterated truth with charity, of course, as Terry always says, right? So clarity with charity, but as couples, we don't always get to talk about these things. And sometimes it can get confusing. We don't know what's going on. 
um, and in, in our marriage, if we ever feel like things are not working out the way we hoped. Um, and it's, there's a sadness to that. There's a sadness to that, not just for the couple, but for society as a whole. Because remember, like I said, the sacrament of marriage in, in and of itself, the relationship between the spouse, the way I get along with my spouse, the way I get along and bring up uh, my children, um, that's really a witness to Christ. That's a, that's a living witness of Christ. The family's a living witness of Christ. Uh, and that's not portrayed anymore as a happy happy uh, state in society and society in the movies we watch, you know, you're going to see so many different images that are against that. We're going to see how divorces can be happy and it can be okay because everybody's friends. So they make it seem like, you know, divorce is part of marriage or they make it seem like the marriage sacrament doesn't matter. You can just live together and that's okay because you're in love. But the definition of love is very different from the covenant definition of love that I had brought up earlier from the catechism of the Catholic church. And so it's important to to really talk about it as Catholics, to really see what does marriage mean as Catholics, because like I was saying, if it's the final battle, if it's the battle uh, that was brought up in, in the prophecies of Fatima as the final battle, I personally think as Catholics, it should be our first battle. You know, why wait until until the end? If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna make sure that it's solidified and I'm gonna make sure that that's the final fortress, you know, that's the final castle that's gonna be attacked, well, I better fortify that castle and put that up front, put all my energies on that because I already know it's going to be attacked. I might not know what else is going to be attacked, but if the, if the marriage is going to be attacked, the relationship's going to be attacked, I better start working on that. So I was talking about a few things. I was talking about how the devil's going to confuse us, lie to us, and make it seem that, one, marriage is no big deal. You know, if you're in love, just live together. It's okay. You know, marriage doesn't really mean anything. You don't need to bring it up to the level of a sacrament. By saying that, actually, is almost like saying, you know what? You, you don't have to go to the Eucharist. Uh, you don't have to go to Mass on Sundays. Why don't you just get a piece of bread at home, you know, flatten it out a little bit and, and eat that and just pretend that that's Jesus. You know, that, that, that should be fine, right? It's just bread. It doesn't change. Nothing Nothing's different. Well, that's the big difference. The big difference is that once we get married, we don't see what's happening, but there is a supernatural bond between husband and wife, whether we like it or not. The same way that we look at a priest and we say, no, something happened to that priest. There was a change uh, after he was ordained. It's the same thing for a husband and wife. Something happened to the couple. There was a change. They are bonded in a different way. Um, and that happens at the marriage covenant. We just don't see it. The sad part is that since there's so many divorces in society, yeah, that bond is it's still there, but it's almost diluted, it seems like. It doesn't seem like it's that fortified. And that's really what we got to do even before we get married. We have to understand that so that once we are married, we understand the importance of the union. Two, confusion and division, you know, the conversations in the house, the, uh, the, way, the way I speak to my spouse, the way she speaks to me, certain things that she says we were talking about before the break, we can easily misinterpret so many different things, you know, or we can actually make it worse by almost lying to our spouse sometimes, you know, if, if there hasn't been any intimacy for a long time and all of a sudden we say, fine, okay, there, there can be some intimacy. Am I really saying it in a way that I'm saying, you know, this is important to us and, and this is important to me and I love you and, and, and that's really a show of our covenant. It's a renewal of our covenant vows every time we have physical intimacy, every time we have uh, conjugal relations uh, as spouses. We're renewing our vows. That's what it is. That's what happens on the wedding night. Well, every time we do that is a wedding night, right? Every time we do that is a marriage night, uh, as we sh what we should call it, because that's how God wanted us to express our marriage. And so one of the things that happens is, 
sometimes when spouses are hurt or emotions are, uh, you know, our egos are bruised or emotions are hurt or somebody says something in the wrong way, whether we misinterpret it or there really is an argument and we're, and we're arguing, all of a sudden sex is withheld and it's used as a weapon. And that would be the equivalent of the church saying, you know what, I don't like you. Maybe you didn't sin, but I don't like you. And I'm not going to give you the Eucharist anymore. You know, and, and, or you're not going to get confession in the Eucharist anymore. I'm going to withhold that because I don't like, I don't like what you did. Well, that's not possible because we got, we got to remember that the Eucharist is open to anybody who's in a state of grace who wants to receive Christ. It's a witness. It is Christ. It is the body and blood of Christ. Confession is open to anybody who's ready to, um, acknowledge Christ as a truth and go and confess, uh, our sins, which were really our actions against the truth. Well, the sacrament of marriage is the same thing. Intimacy should not be a weapon that should be withheld because I'm not happy with my spouse. In fact, that's what's going to renew our marriage. God knew that there had to be a physical unity between the spouses because that's how he made us with physical bodies, which are beautiful in his eyes. Uh, He took on a physical body himself. Not only is that going to unite it, but then comes the next part. The next part is it's also procreative, which means we're going to have children. Um, And this is another area of battle. So the first battle, I think, is just reducing the sacrament, saying that the sacrament is not even needed. The next part that the devil is going to do is he's going to mess up all all the communication. He's going to mess up the way we view each other as spouses. He's going to make it so that we become selfish. There's division, there's confusion, and he's going to separate that union. Because before we got married, we were in love. Boy, it didn't matter what the other person did. The boy, I, I wanted to be there for them. I wanted to give myself to them. I wanted to bring them gifts. I wanted to do all these things. And I say wanted in a past tense. Why is it wanted? Why is it past tense? Why shouldn't it be still that way now? Why shouldn't I still want to shower my spouse with with wonderful things and gifts and, and, and dates the same way uh, we did before we actually established the sacrament? In fact, it should be even more so now that we have the actual sacrament. Now comes the next part. The next part comes the children. And how many times, how do I know that the children are going to be a source of contention uh, or a source of battle or a source of attack? Because if the devil can't get to the spouses, um, he's going to start causing divisions in the way either they raise children, the way that um, the children are perceived, are they important or not? How do we know that? Because what happens in divorce, what classically happens, all of a sudden children can be weaponized, right? Sadly. We can all of a sudden use the weapon, the children against each other as weapons. And I see this all the time. Couples get divorced and, you know, the children are young. And let's say that the mom says, no, I don't think that uh, the child should have a, a, a new electronic device because they're too young and I don't want them wasting their eyesight and all that. And all of a sudden the, the husband will, he's already divorced. So the ex-husband will say, oh, you, you don't think they should have that? Well, I'm going to get it to them because when they're in my house, they're going to do whatever I say. And then all of a sudden the mom will find something else that the dad might say, no, I don't like them hanging out with that friend. And she's going to say, oh, you don't like that? Well, when they're in my house, I'm going to make sure that they do that. And we don't think about the children as our children anymore. We don't always look at what's best for them. Why? Because we're trying to get back at the other person. Now, this can happen both whether the person's divorced or it can actually happen within the marriage if the spouses aren't getting along. This is where the devil's going to want you to forget about focusing on what's best for the child and you make you make you use the child as a weapon, make you make the child actually sometimes the go between two. Well, you go tell your father this. Well, you go tell your mother that, you know, so that they don't have. And all of a sudden, the, the child gets dragged into this battle, and they don't know what to do. Why? Because the child was made to love both mom and dad equally. The child doesn't have a choice. They're half the mom, half the dad, and they're trying to please both parents. What child doesn't want their, their parents' approval? That's just how it goes. Um, but, you know, selfishly, this is where the battle comes in. The devil's going to come in. He's going to start stoking the fires. And what do we say about children in these cases? Oh, the children are fine. 
Children are resilient is a very common term, which is actually not very true. Um, you know, it's halfway true, if you will. It's, it's, it's the classic half lie of the devil, right? Why is it a half, half truth? Well, I don't know that children are resilient. Yeah, we, as kids, we can go through a lot. But we also don't have much of a voice. We don't say anything. We forget that the parents are supposed to be our voice. If you think about it, when you take your child to the doctor's office, they don't ask the kid what medication they want or what treatment they're going to need. They turn to the parent, right? Because why? The parent is the voice of the child. We expect that the parent knows what's going to be best for that particular child. And God gave us that responsibility of saying, this is a unique responsibility that you have towards your child. Nobody else has that responsibility. When I die someday, God's going to ask me, how did, what did you do for your children? He's not going to ask me what I did for any, any other child or any other, uh, uh, you know, as a, as a parent, he's going to ask me specifically about my kids. And if I'm using my kids as weapons, boy, there's going to be a problem. If I'm going to use my kids as a way to get back at my spouse or upset my spouse, well, what good is that? That's an abuse. Is that child resilient? Are children resilient? Children are quiet. At that moment, they can't say much because who are they going to go against? If they're going to go against dad, dad's going to get mad. They're going to go against mom. Mom's going to get mad. So what are children? I don't know if they're as resilient as they are quiet. Children will stay silent for a long time and not say a whole lot because they're not in a position where they can. They have no power and they have no responsibility at that point, at that age, right? Even the law recognizes that because a child is not held to the same legal responsibility as an adult. It just doesn't happen. Why? Because we know that they're not responsible for their actions necessarily. We know that the parents are. What happens to those children? Why does the devil love for that to happen? Because if you can get them young, that's great. If I've damaged this child and their quiet silence as kids, what's going to happen as they get older? They're going to come to me for therapy. That's what's going to happen. And they're going to tell me all about their childhood. This is where I don't think kids are resilient. I think that kids have to put up with a lot. Are kids okay? It depends on what they're going through, and it depends on each individual child. It depends on what happens in their lives. But I can assure you that the abuses that we experience as children stay with us as adults, you know, and some people do need therapy for it. Some people don't, but we got to remember that we can't say, oh, the kids are going to be okay and they're going to forget about this. Whatever is happening is affecting their little lives right now. It's affecting their hearts. It's affecting their souls. That's where the devil really wants to stoke his fire and mess up the children because then you're going to have future generations of children who don't know what a good marriage is and who don't know how to model what a good marriage is. The other thing we need to consider when we come back from the break is I hear the music here is, well, what's going to happen after the children move out? What about, I know a lot of spouses who get divorced or separated because all of a sudden the children moved out and they have nothing to talk about. Well, hopefully we'll find something to talk about, especially when we come back from the break. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase the number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Welcome back to the show here at the Dr. Sandoval Show. Uh, we're talking about marriage, and that was a Bible verse from Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. What a beautiful verse. It tells us a lot about the way God sees marriage. We th- might listen to it, and we might think of it as a very simple uh, verse, but let's read it again, and let's break it down just a little bit so that we can understand why this is such an important topic. I mean, there can be books and books written on marriage, just the same way that the Bible tells us, you know, the scriptures tells us that there can be an infinite number of books written about Christ. Well, why could there be an 
an infinite number of books written about marriage because it's a sacrament established by Christ and is really our understanding of our unity with Christ. The marriage sacrament is merely an equal to the communion, uh, the sacrament of communion, where, you know, the creation of man started with marriage between a man and a woman. And if we look, if we read the Bible through, how does the story end? It ends with a marriage at the supper of the lamb. If you look at the book of Revelation. So it's all about marriage. It's all about the marriage covenant. God established marriage as a sacrament. It was lifted to the level of sacrament by Christ so that we could understand our relationship with him a little bit more. If that's going to be the case, then my relationship with my spouse better be extra special because I'm supposed to be a representation of that unity with Christ, the way I get along with my spouse. Let's look at that Bible, Bible verse one more time. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. So first of all, let's back up. God blessed them. A blessing from God. This is good. God is telling you this is absolutely good. This is exactly what I want. God is blessing you saying this is a good thing. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. So notice that those are two different commands. Be fruitful. That's a part that I think means, you know, a lot of people say, oh, be fruitful and increase the number. Fruitful means having children. I think having children is the effect of being fruitful. And what I mean by that is the fruitful part, I think, is first the way Christ taught us. That which is good fruit comes out of a man. It means be good, be fruitful, be virtuous, be holy, be moral to each other, and then increase in number. Once you love each other, once you understand each other, once you are there for each other first, put each other first, and then increase in number because that's what's going to make a happy family. You're not going to have happy children if the parents aren't happy. In fact, a lot of times people will ask me, what's the best thing I can give my children? And I tell them, don't give them an iPad, don't give them an iPhone, don't give them a smartphone, don't give them technology, don't give them video games. That's not what's going to make your children happy. You know what's going to make your children happy? Loving parents. And I don't mean parents loving to their children, loving to each other. Children are happiest when mom and dad are happy with each other. People, why? Because then they feel safe. They come home and they have a safe environment to be in, a safe environment where they can grow in. It's the equivalent of us thinking, God is happy with me. God is happy and God, and God is in a good place and God's not going to hurt me and God's going to be a loving father to me and the Trinity is good and they're looking at me lovingly because they love each other and I'm a loving, I'm a, I'm a, a, a child of God who is loved by God, then that's peace in my life. That's 100% peace. How can I bring happiness, peace into my children's life? By loving my spouse. That's what my children are going to see. They're going to know mom and dad are happy together. They're going to be happy. When the parents are divorced, the children don't know what to do. When the parents are arguing, the children are not happy because the household is falling apart. So that's why I say be fruitful and increase the number. I see that as two separate commands, not just one. Fill the earth and subdue it. Meaning, yes, once you have done that, notice that it goes in order. First, you got to be fruitful. You got to be virtuous. Then you can have children. Then you're going to be able to fill the earth and subdue it, right? You're going to, God gave us dominion over all the animals of the, of the world. God gave us dominion over the world, every living creature that moves on the ground. So God put us in charge of the world. But if we don't satisfy the being fruitful first, the being moral, the being virtuous first and having children, then everything else is going to fall apart. That's important to know. Well, let's look at the last part uh, here as far as my, my four points on uh, how the devil is going to affect marriage. So then we can talk about the really important part here at the end of the show is how are we going to make it better? How are we going to strengthen our marriage? And it really comes down to the opposite. So first we talked about the importance of viewing marriage as a sacrament. If we start to realize that I'm, that we are part of something greater as married couples, that we are um, a sacrament itself, then I'm going to work on that. 
I'm going to try to work uh, with my spouse. I'm not going to try to upset my spouse. And I would assume that my spouse is not going to try to upset me. You know, as, as married couples, we know the intricacies of each other's lives. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And hopefully we can support each other in those. The next part is, so if, first the devil's going to attack it by saying, ah, marriage isn't that important. Don't make it a sacrament. Just live together. Just do whatever you want to do. And then that way you don't even have to worry if you break up later because you were never married. So it didn't mean anything. Well, then why would marriage mean anything, right? The second one is confusion and division. We got to keep those lines of communication open. And the most important way to do that is going to be through prayer, you know, because all of a sudden we're speaking to each other, but we're assuming that the, that the partner wants what's best for me, or I all of a sudden I don't feel loved by my spouse. Um, then all of a sudden it can, it can really bring us down. It can put me in a negative place and it can make it so that I'm not a happy person. And that's, that's a rough place to be because then all of a sudden I'm going to go look for my happiness elsewhere. A lot of couples do this by spending time outside of the marriage. And I'm not just saying having affairs or being with somebody else. A lot of times they do it by just saying, oh, you know what? I'm so busy at work. I'm going to take on all these other tasks. Um, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to go work at the church. And we think that we're doing a good thing by going to the church and cleaning the church or, or helping the priests out. But the reality is our, our, our primary responsibility, the first place we need to be is at the home. If our home is not put together, then there's no sense in being uh, anywhere else. And we think we're doing a good thing. The children, I said the children can easily be weaponized, right? If all of a sudden I'm not happy with my spouse, I can drag my child into that argument and really mess things up for my child emotionally because they don't know what to do. They know when mom and dad are fighting. They know what mom and dad are saying. They understand what, what parents are talking about. Sometimes we think we're talking in code and, uh, and we think that, oh, the children don't know what's going on. Well, you'd be surprised what children say. And they say, oh no, remember the other day when you were mentioning this and you're like, how did you hear that? You know, oh, we were driving in the car and you guys were talking about that. Yeah, but weren't you listening to music? Yeah, but I'm listening to you as well. So we got to remember that the children know everything that's going on. And if we don't, if we think that they're going to think it's no big deal that mom and dad are fighting. No, you know that I hear about it later as adults. You know, we got to think back to when we were children and what did we want from our parents? That's important to consider. And then the last part, where is the devil going to attack us? Well, the children are going to grow up. Hopefully they're going to make uh, their own lives and they're going to follow uh, God's will and their vocations. And whether they get married or they leave the house or they join a, a priestly order or a order of nuns or something along those lines, um, all of a sudden the spouses, spouses are find themselves alone. Uh, you know, we call it the empty nest syndrome. And all of a sudden they don't have anything to speak about with each other. And they don't know what to do and, and what's going to go on there. You know, also we, we didn't practice that. We didn't keep those lines of communication open. I stopped learning about my spouse because I was more focused on my kids. And you know what happens at that point? A lot of people will separate and break up or they'll stay together, but they just don't talk. It's kind of like they live in a divorce household anyway. They're just living separate lives under the same roof. Um, and that's pretty sad because the sacrament of marriage is still happening even after the kids are gone. And so how do we fight this? How are we going to put up these barriers? How am I going to fortify my castle so I don't fall under these, uh, uh, under the trap um, of the devil? So I don't fall under and let the, so I don't let the devil attack that sacrament of marriage that I have. So you got to remember, I like, I love this line from, from Sister Lucia. I'll read it again. And it was the final battle between the Lord and the reign of Satan will be about marriage and the family. I love the next part. Don't be afraid because anyone who operates for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be contended and opposed in every way. Isn't that what's happening in society today? We're going to have to fight that, right? 
because, and she says, this is the decisive issue. Why is marriage the decisive issue? Because it was the first sacrament. It's what really lets the world see Christ. You know, even if they're not, even if the whole world's not Catholic and not going to mass and not receiving the Eucharist, the world can see Christ in the way that we get along with each other, in the way that we, uh, uh, we treat each other, in the way that we feel that we are uh, living our marriage life. What example are we giving the world? Am I sticking uh, with my spouse in times of trouble or am I saying, eh, divorce is quick and easy? That's what the world's going to see. So how do we fight this? Well, the first part is, you know, it's going to be the opposite of whatever the devil's doing. The first part is that we have to come back to the church and remember that the importance of what we are in, of our sacrament. Remember what the church says in terms of our sacrament. Remember what the church says in terms of marriage and that I'm part of something greater. I need to look at my spouse and realize, wow, okay. I, you know, we're, we're married. This means something. What does this mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything to anybody else. It just means something to us. I'm here. My responsibility is to take care of you and really nobody else at that point. Why? Because man leaves uh, his mother and father and joins his spouse, right? This is a whole new entity. That's what God is telling us. God, by, by that, that gospel reading, or excuse me, that Bible reading in the book of Genesis, where man has to leave his mother and father and joins his spouse, God is giving us an understanding that you are now a new individual family. You've left one family and you've created a brand new family, all of your own. So I got to remember that. That's the first battle. If I can start to remember that, the devil is going to get scared. He's going to start running away. He's going to go, oh no, this guy understands what he's getting into. And this guy is going to try to be like Christ. Oh, they think they're going to be like Christ? Well, let me battle them a little bit more now because now they understand they're part of of a, uh, a unity here, part of a sacrament. Mm, I'm going to battle them a little bit more. I'm going to mess up their communication. I'm going to confuse them. I'm going to cause division. I'm going to make them upset. I'm going to make it so that, you know, as a spouse gets up in the morning and they're getting ready, the other spouse is going to look at them and say, oh gosh, I hate the way they brush their teeth. Good Lord. Okay. That's where I'm going to dig. That's where I'm going to dig right there. And I'm going to make it so that it's so upsetting that it just stays with them the whole day for no reason. And that's all they're going to think about. And they're going to upset, get upset. That's my battle. What I got to do is realize now as a spouse, I got to look at, I got to look at my wife and say, anything she does is beautiful to me. It doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's annoying, it's beautiful because that is my spouse. If I start thinking that way, the devil's going to run away again. Now he's going to get scared. Now he's not going to know where to hide exactly because he's, he's going to say, wait a minute, he's going to love her no matter what, but look at how annoying she is. Nope. The rest of the world can find that annoying, but you know what? That's my spouse. In fact, when I'm sitting with my buddies and I hear them laughing about their wives, I'm not going to say anything bad about my wife. Why? Because she's supposed to be my queen, right? She's the other half of me. She's between her and I, we're the ones that we're supposed to represent Christ. Well, what good is a house divided unto itself? Nope. I'm going to let make the devil a little bit more scared. I'm not ever going to speak poorly of my spouse, not to anybody else. That's not to say I might not go and get advice from somebody who I trust or a priest or somebody in confidence if things aren't going right or if we're not getting along or if I do find something annoying. I might share that with somebody who I trust who's not going to go beyond that and who's going to be mature enough spiritually to understand that what I'm saying is not to put my spouse down. It's to, to share what I'm going through and what I want to overcome. So that's the second part. I'm going to try to always put my spouse up in a good light, put her up uh, on a pedestal for, in my heart. The next part is I'm going to remember that if I love my spouse, my children will be happy and my children are half of my spouse and half me, right? That's what they represent. If I do that, if I show that I'm loving towards my children and they know that I got to check in with mom before I give you permission for anything, boy, the devil's really going to run away. The devil doesn't want to see that. The devil doesn't want to see that we're all getting along and that we're all communicating and that we're living a unified life. 
And the last part is, if I can do all that, by the time my children are gone, I'm gonna look at my spouse and say, let's keep walking down this journey together. Let's keep this marriage as a beautiful sacrament for each other and really support each other. That's what's gonna bring the world back. That's where you fortify the castle that way, there's never gonna be a battle on the family. That's not to say that we don't need help. That's not to say that there's cases that don't need some counseling. But I think the most important thing is that we work on it, we communicate, and we make sure that we bring Christ into the marriage since it is a sacrament. Thank you for listening to this week. And until next week, this is Dr. Lee Sandoval saying, I hope you have a great Catholic week. Until next week.